Good evening, everyone. Um, as Stephen has uh, already said, we're, we're continuing our sermon series on prayer. And um, if you were here for the, the first one, you may remember that it was Stephen himself who, who kicked us off. And um, <clears throat> he started off by telling us, by getting us, sorry, to lift up our head and take a hold of who it is that we're praying to. And he told us that we pray to a magnificent God. It was, it was, it was good. I liked it. I liked it. I, I mean, it was, I'm just saying it was good, you know. And the idea was that if you got a good sense of the magnificence of God, that would inspire us and free us up to fill the air around us with our prayers. We're talking to the king of the universe. And he, you know, he loves us. Why would we not talk to him more? And then he reminded us that we Christians have been given a job, effectively, by God, to bring people to God. We are all, every one of us here, we're priests. And every one of us has been given this job. And Stephen was saying rightly that this is a privilege. And that again, like his first point, if we grab a hold of it and understand, understand the true weight of it, it should, this, this task of praying that is, it should become easier for us. And in the end, he summed it all up by saying that if we remember who God is and, and, and who we are because of God, then our prayers should become more easier. Right? And I suppose um, his sermon could be described as <clears throat> an attempt to motivate us all to pray. And the reason that I, I start off with this uh, slightly longer than usual recap is because I think I'm telling the truth when it feels to me at least that quite a lot of sermons about prayer uh, try to do that very thing, to motivate us to pray in one way or another. So they bring up the question of, why don't we pray more? And then through one way or another, they try to motivate us to do that very thing. And so... Um, it was, as I said, I, I thought it was a great sermon. And don't get me wrong, of course, the Lord himself is clearly concerned to motivate us to pray. I'm not downplaying motivating us to pray. The Lord says, you know, uh, who would give your son a scorpion if he asked for an egg, a snake if he asked for a fish, but yet you who are evil give good things to your kids. So what would God give you, right? So Jesus is saying, you know, God's very generous, far more than us at best, so look, you should feel free to ask God for things. So therefore, you should pray more. So of course Jesus wants to motivate us to pray. But, one thing that I've learned from this book, um, that we're uh, inspired, being inspired is probably the wrong phrase, this book that is steering our choices uh, of topics in this series, um, one thing that I've learned from it, from Reverend White, uh, and you can even see this just by looking at the table of contents, is that an awful lot of what he talks about isn't talking about why you should pray, or even that you should pray, but simply how we should do it. And it's not, it's not something I ever give much thought to, I have to say. Um, but this shouldn't surprise us. Prayer is an art, a discipline, a science, if you like. It's a world of its own. And like all worlds, it has its own means and methods, its own basic 
axioms upon which people learn how to practice it. And some of these are well known. Hebrews 11.6, for instance, says anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Some of them are painful truths. They can only be learnt with years of experience. Well, perhaps I'm wrong in saying that. God is gracious, of course, and he can grant you understanding at any time. Like understanding the knowledge that is contained in Psalm 51.7, where we are told, The sacrifices of, a, of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. Have you learnt that one yet? Others are simple to understand because we too speak English. But actually truly understanding them is not so simple. Like in one of the passages that was read out tonight where he says, Whatever you have asked for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. I still haven't got my head around that yet. Now we're going to look at one such basic rule tonight about the practice of prayer. And I think it's one where there's a little of all three kinds of the previous I just mentioned. Um, It has a deceptive simplicity to it. It's certainly one of those that can bring hardship into your life. And it's well known. And it's this, we, we heard some of it read out tonight. When you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, go first and forgive them. Now, I have to say that I've never actually come across a sermon on this before, on this particular topic. It was very good to read uh, Reverend White's words on it. I have heard people, I've preached it myself, even here actually, talk about how if you don't forgive, the Lord won't forgive you. Now this, of course, uh, or that, of course, sorry, is a warning that Jesus makes quite explicit just after the Lord's Prayer, where he says, if you do not forgive your brother your your brother has sins, then your Father in heaven will not forgive you your sins. Most of us know that. It's a stark warning that we need to be aware of when we come to thinking of praying. But that's not the only thing that the Lord is teaching us here. Because even within the words, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who forgive us, there is, or who sin against us, sorry, there is a direct implication that you can only pray that prayer if you have a forgiving spirit. If you're not the forgiving type, then you have no business praying that prayer. And if you take the words of Jesus here in Mark 11 and add that all into the mix, where we see Jesus not restricting this teaching to just saying the Lord's Prayer, but to prayer in general, then you'd have to say that the Lord is saying to us, That on any occasion you are praying, if you hold something against anyone, you need to stop praying and sort out that thing with them first. You need to forgive them before you pray anymore. And when I was, you know, when I was writing this first, I thought to myself, well, that seems a bit harsh. Is that really what it means? You know, does that mean that if I have folk in my life that I've not forgiven? Or I need to forgive them again and again and again. And you know, I might have done it a few times in the past, but I haven't recently. Does that mean then, if I don't forgive these people, or that person, then until I have done so, the Lord won't grant any of my requests that I pray for? 
Is that what he's saying? Now, as I, I, as I tried to show you there a minute ago, the Lord doesn't say your prayers won't be heard if you don't forgive. But it is a valid infer- inference nonetheless. Nonetheless, it's still hard to hear it. I mean, really, is what he's saying, if I don't forgive people, are then my prayers just bursts of air hitting the ceiling? Well, consider this. Forgiveness is necessary for the for Christian community, and it's a hallmark of it. I heard a story recently about Willie Fraser. Most of you know who he is. You've heard of him. Uh, he's a man who campaigns for the rights of loyalists. If you don't know him, that's all you need to know about him for the sake of this story, at least. But I heard recently um, that a couple of years ago he was in a church in South Armagh and Desi O'Hare, do you know that name? He's a, not- a notorious IRA and INLA man, a man who did such things during the Troubles that even uh, violent Republicans disowned them. So this guy, Desi O'Hare, is in a church and he was claiming to be, to be saved. And uh, Willie... Fraser heard about this in South Armagh's his territory, and he went down to talk to him and he asked him, he asked Desi, is this true? And apparently they had a conversation, something to the extent of yes, this did happen, and they shook hands. Now if you know anything about those two men, that's highly unlikely. And I don't know anything just to be clear, it's just an example. I don't know anything about the faith, their faith, their salvation status. But those kind of stories should be the hallmark of Christians. We should occasionally hear about these things. But it's not just that. It's not just necessary. Sorry, it's not just the hallmark, sorry, of our community. It's necessary as well. Our, our church, Kirkpatrick, all churches, are not sustainable if we don't forgive each other all the things that we do against each other. This is why I think the Lord talks about forgiveness so much. Because our lives are full of sins. Both real and imagined. Both done by us and done to us. We really need to offer <coughs> excuse me, and receive forgiveness regularly. Because our whole way of life as Christians living in a community with each other depends on us practicing it. Right? So, my, my point is that forgiveness is really important to our faith. And so you could see why it is a fair and proper inferences from these verses that we've been looking at, that our prayers are not heard if we first don't go and forgive those who have sinned against us. Because it's so integral to what we do and believe. that You can't talk to God if you're not forgiven. No. Spite, revenge even, and general ill will are hard things to deal with in your heart. Yes. But as long as they're there, and as long as they hold sway, your prayers might not make it past the roof. And this is not a good place to be in. So something needs to be done. So what can we do? Well, 
the good news is, if you're listening to me right now, and you're like, well, you know, I have a few folk in my heart that I have issue with. If what you're saying is true, Richie, I'll not be praying until I sort that out. And I don't know if I can, or even if I want to. Now, if you don't want to, well, that's a separate issue. I'm not really sure what to say to you there. I, I mean, I have a few other things that I'll say in a while. But for the moment, all I'll say is, this is what the Lord is asking you to do. Are you going to follow him or not? And if you don't think you can, the last time I talked about forgiveness actually, someone came straight up to me afterwards and made this point. But if you don't think you can, remember that the Holy Spirit is with you, brothers and sisters. The power to follow Jesus in every way, including this, is his speciality. He will help you if you ask him for it. Now we ain't told, but I reckon that we got this little text from Mark here because Jesus saw the disciples every day praying the prayers which he had taught them. And every day he hears them say, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive uh, those who trespass against us. But all the while doing so, while they were arguing with each other over who was the greatest, sinning against each other, Fighting, bickering, etc., etc. So he says, Stop. Stop praying and go get things sorted out before you pray anymore. And that's what we should do too. And my whole sermon really tonight is to try and get you to do that. But as I was thinking about what to say, it came to my mind that there are probably two groups of us here tonight. One group of us need, like I I did just a second ago, encouragement to believe that God will help us to forgive him or her who did or does sin against us. And usually there, for folks like us, the struggle there is, in that group anyway, is that the heart is quite large. And it can feel, for different reasons, that forgiving them is maybe a a, a big deal too too hard for us. And, And it might be. But the same thing is still to be said. The Holy Spirit can help us to do anything that God requires. But then the other group just needs reminding that ordinary, everyday forgiveness of sins is, or rather should be, a priority. If all that is at stake is that you're annoyed or even angry with your spouse, colleague, or friend for, like, you know, forgetting to do something. Um, You must forgive them. The lack of forgiveness in that instance is as much a hindrance to your prayers as the lack of forgiveness over something awful. You must forgive. There's never any qualifications in Scripture. You want your prayers answered? He mightn't give it to you, but he'll give you an answer. Then you must forgive. It doesn't matter if they sin against you 70 times 7. You must forgive. And when you have, according to what we're reading here, then pray with full assurance and good conscience. Okay? Well, it's not really. 
I find that every time I preach about forgiveness, even when I'm reusing an old sermon, I have to rethink the whole thing again and again. And this sermon was no different. I revised and re-edited the whole thing a few times. And I think it's because forgiveness is something, like I was saying a while ago, it's so fundamental to our faith. You know, it's a heavy topic. And I don't think the devil likes us talking about it. The same thing happens actually when I'm, if I'm preaching specifically about grace. But anyway, let, let me say just two, two things to end up with, right? What if after all that you, say, you still say, I, I can't forgive? Now I'm talking here about forgiving someone who did something in the past, you know, a once-off, or something that happened over a period of time, but it's not happening anymore, right? What, what if you say to me, I can't forgive them for that, Richie? I can't. Okay, we'll try this, right? Ask yourself, what is it exactly that you have against this man or woman? What is it? Put it in words. Write it down, or just say it out loud, or talk it over with another Christian. Because some reflection and honest appraisal is a good thing. And sometimes, when it's looked at like that, it's not as bad as we made it out to be. Our own pride and our self-importance, they often do a job on our perception, and they blow something small into a much bigger deal. So talk it out, and get a good perception of it. But if that's still not enough, then try this. Take a good look at your offender, whoever they are, right? Like actually look at them. Don't avoid them. Don't refuse to talk to them. Spend some time with them if you can. Even better, if you can eat with them. Something about eating. You don't have to talk about the issue. Uh, You can if you want. Maybe at some stage it would be good to, but just be in their company. There was a stage in my life where I thought you had to talk about everything. That's, That's not always true. You don't have to bring it up. But spend time with them. And then lastly, try with all the abilities that you have, all your your gifts, to try and see yourself as they have seen you. You know, try to get in their shoes and look at yourself in that moment, whatever happened. And I think if you get that far, I suspect that you've already started to forgive them. And your prayers are good to go again. So try that. You might even, with this habit, become his or her friend, not just before God, but before us. And your friendship with this person might become uh, a living example of the Apostle Paul's words in Ephesians, where he says, He has made the two groups one, and he has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. Wouldn't that be good? You have someone like that? But, what if it's a situation where they are continuing to sin against you? Someone whose tongue continually cuts in or against you. Who only returns evil for your good. Who takes your attempts at reconciliation or trying to get them to see the truth of what they are doing and turns it against you. What do you do then? Reverend Weiss has a great phrase. 
He says, how horrible and hell-like is a vengeful heart. And it's true. When we're in a situation where someone is continually at us, it is so hard not to get into a horrible state ourselves. Not, not long after I became a Christian, <clears throat> I met a guy, Paul. I was trying to remember his name. Paul's his name. I met a guy, a Christian, and he was in a very bad situation. At work, he was being bullied because he had refused to do something illegal with the rest of the, the folks there, right? And they were horrible to him. Uh, they put bullets with his name written on them in his locker, you know, this, this kind of thing. No one talked to him. Anyway, bad situation. And he was really struggling with why God would let this happen. And funny enough, actually, he couldn't pray. That's how we discovered that we were in his house and we asked him to pray and he, he, wouldn't, he couldn't do it. But what I remember the most was just um, how it was hard to be around him. He was so unhappy and bitter that he just sucked the life out of any room that he was in. No, you know, it was a bad situation. But nonetheless, that's, I remember that. And I remember praying for him. And I remember praying that his, his plans to leave the faith, he, he, want, he wanted to leave church and stop following God. We, we prayed that these plans would come to nothing. But after reading this guy's sermon, I think what I pray now is something along the lines of this. Jesus says in the Beatitudes, Blessed are you when men revile you and persecute you and say all kinds of false things about you on my account. For great is your reward in heaven. The Lord, you see, actually congratulates us on having enemies and haters. He wants us to lift our, up our eyes and focus them on his loving heart, where all that is needed is found. Peter, Apostle Peter, who of course betrayed the Lord and was forgiven by him and given a job by him, tells us that Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that we should also follow in his footsteps. That he who, when he was mocked, didn't mock back. When he suffered, he made no threats. And instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges rightly. I pray something around that for that man now. That he would take comfort in him who suffered for himself and followed his example of trusting God who will judge all and everything and will do so rightly. Now I, I, think, I think that's hard to hear too. But brothers and sisters, I ask you, come to the Lord with all of your wrongs that have been done to you. Real or not, doesn't matter. He'll sort that out. Big or small, and when you stand before him, praying, just, just lay it out all, every bit of it out there. Tell him what you're thinking about, what you're feeling. Describe the situation to him. And he will hear you. And he will help you until the time comes when you will be able to say, as he was, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. He'll bring you to that place of transformation. I think the key thing <clears throat> that I've learned here 
is that you can't hide your lack of forgiveness for those who have hurt you from the Lord. He knows all about it. So talk to him about it. You have to. Because if you don't, your prayers are going nowhere. And you don't want that. Right? We want to pray to him. So, uh, my sermon tonight is actually, I think it's one of my shorter ones. Um, But we're going to do something for just one minute. And I I thought on the back of this, uh, you know, really the Lord is getting us to think about forgiving (laughs) forgiving folks before we go praying, right? Because if we don't, it somehow blocks our prayers. So one minute, right? Now this mightn't apply to all of you. Just bear with us. But during this next minute, I'm going to be silent. I'll sit over there. It'll feel like an eternity because a minute silence always feels like an eternity. But I'll, I'll give us a minute. If there's anyone in your life now, you don't have to sort it out now, but gather to your head those people that you have to forgive. Make a note of it. And maybe you know, in this next minute like you, you can forgive them. But at least make a note of it and promise me that you'll go and you'll start talking to the Lord about trying to forgive this person. If you can't do it tonight, that is. But you need to start, because otherwise you're not being heard when you pray. Okay? So one minute, and then I'll pray something myself. just pray for us Um, hello father thanks for your word thanks for this word I pray that you'd bless us by clearing the path again particularly for those of us who um, have held grievances uh, unbeknownst that this was actually a blockage to talking to you Uh, I pray that this week some of us would have the joy of of sweet times with you after forgiving someone Uh, and then for the rest of us Father help us to hold this truth in our heart for the rest of our lives Uh, 
and not to hold on to bitterness or or pain uh, for any long time. Amen.